Hey everybody, welcome hey, to another edition of, hey, how are you Mike? I'm doing good man, nice to see you. Good to see you man, another day hot boxing. I would say so, you have a great <laughs> guest today. You got an awesome guest today. You know Mike, people come in here, our guests come in here and I'm always, it's always amazing to see them with you because you're such a legend. Yeah. Oh God. And today... I think our guest is of that same ilk. He's got that dragon's blood demigod. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yes, you do, man. Dale Earnhardt Jr., everybody. Thanks yeah. for coming, man. No, nah, I'm excited about this, man. I was uh, looking forward to, to meeting Mike and uh, being on the show. So I've been a big fan of his uh, all all my life, it seems like, man. But uh, goes by. A long time, yeah. So it's... Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be fun. Let's do this. I got a podcast of my own, so it's always fun to kind of come on other people's podcasts and see how they do things. And you guys got a great setup. Thanks, man. You ever yeah. drive against Jeff Gordon? I used to. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. was that? He was a good guy. He was fun. Yeah. He was good. He was hard to beat. Yeah. So I know a lot of people recognize Jeff, and he he was kind of mainstream. He was in New York yeah, and L.A. For sure. And yeah. You're pretty mainstream. Recognizable name. Yeah. My dad was a big, big deal. and uh, That's for sure. So that kind of got the me. Intimidator. Yes, right. He I got love me. that, dude. <laughs> I love that Mike Tyson knows his nickname. Hell so. yeah, bro. Yeah, <laughs> see? With the glasses. see what I'm talking about? Seeing with the glasses on, looking at people. Yeah. So. I love that. Psyching them out. I love that. Also, in the studio, we've got your one of your biz partners. Yeah, Mike Davis. Mike Davis. Hey, how, how's it going, guys? Good, hey, man. Mike. All right. Hey, that, thanks you, for having us. And you co-host Dale's podcast with him. Yeah, we do the Dale Jr. Download uh, every Dale week. Jr. Download. That's right, yeah. What do you guys hit on that? Basically, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the race or whatever's going on in the sport. Um, but otherwise, um, we have a lot of you know businesses and things that we got going on we might talk about that uh pop culture a little bit of pop culture in there just there's a big fight from the weekend we'll yeah. talk about that yeah, yeah nice. big, so i'm a big boxing fan so uh we'll talk about boxing if there's a big fight or something like that every once in a while sweet man whatever the hell we want whatever do, we're really talking about what we're trying to that's say. the great thing yeah. about podcasts and that's the great thing i think people love podcasts because it's a conversation yeah it's a real conversation for sure you know, it's not in front of an audience or um, we almost don't even think about the cameras being here and they're not even doing anything as far as we know. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, you can just have a real discussion. I totally agree, man. And I mean, in this day and age of, you know, ever moving faster technology and social media and people are constantly in their phones, you know, our opportunities for this person to person contact, right. being able to look guys in the eye and have a conversation about shit that's really going on. It's very rare. You it know. is. Yeah, it is. I think a podcast kind of gets back to the roots of just that, you know, that one-on-one conversation. And it obviously also, I think, makes people comfortable to where they will open up. When we have a guest on, we have we typically get content out of those guests and conversation and, and things out of those guests that they don't, they don't feel comfortable giving yeah. in other scenarios. And um, so that's great, too, you know. Is Do you have children, to- Dale? I actually got a little girl. She's six months. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So that's new. It's amazing. That's amazing. Do you amazing. want her to drive cars? I don't care if she – I mean, I I don't not want her to drive other than the fact that it's very expensive, and I don't <laughs> know if we could probably invest our money in another area if she wanted to do something else. But she's going to say, hey, I want to do X, Y, and Z, and we're going to do it. You know, you're going to want to do – you're going to want to take them and do whatever they want to do. 
and uh, just the fact that she would want me to be involved in anything she's doing, uh, it will be great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt, man. I have a little girl myself. Really? Yeah. Going to be seven in December. Oh, yeah. Everybody says it goes fast. Fuck, it goes too fast. Yeah, <laughs> too fast. <laughs> I'm sitting here at six months, though, and I, I, I'm like, me and Amy, my wife, we're, we're like, come on, come on, you know, we can't wait for this, we can't wait for that. Yeah. I want to be able to... Um, what was it like when y'all heard their voice? Like for the, you know, you hear them cooing and on, but when they really get a voice, you know, I heard because I, I listened. Never to stops the, once they get it. Never <laughs> yeah, no doubt, dude, no doubt. But I remember, uh, I listened to your pod with Joe, and um, you talk about that. Yeah, and I remember the first time hearing my daughter's voice. And I was playing for the Bears at the time, so I was living in Chicago, and my wife was finishing up law school in San Francisco with our, my daughter at that point was maybe two, not even quite two years old yet, and we were living apart, so I really missed some of those stages, but I remember going uh, to be with my wife and my daughter during the bye week. And the first morning I was back, I woke up and my wife and my daughter were already up and I could hear this little person's voice. And I couldn't believe that that was my daughter talking. Yeah. It was kind of, it was really an incredible moment, man. I cannot forget. Yeah. Yeah. You're in for a treat, dude. Just hearing you talk about it, you can tell how big a deal that is. And that's some that's one of the things that we we can't wait. We know we need to be patient. We know we don't need to rush her along and and just enjoy the well, yeah, now. Trust me, it's going to happen. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no yeah. doubt about it, man. You know, something uh, that really struck me and I I'd never heard a guy like yourself, you know, the caliber racer you are, um talk about racing and to hear you talk about how the car grips the road yeah, and how tight you are to the road. And that first time you ran around the track when your dad called you up and was like, meet me at the raceway. Don't ask any questions. Just be there. And you're like, I don't know what's going to happen, man. I guess I'm going to get to do this. Yeah. I was looking at, uh, so, you know, I've never been on a big, bigger racetrack than a half mile, which is really a very small track. You're going to run around 90 mile an hour there, uh, at those smaller tracks. So I'm going to, Talladega, it's a two and a half mile racetrack, and I'm going down the back straightaway for the first time, and I'm getting I'm getting up to around 160, 170, 180 mile an hour, and I'm this long back straightaway. So you're looking at the corner, turn three, and it goes and arcs way off around the corner, out of sight. You know, and it just seems so far away, but you can look at it and you're thinking, how's the car gonna stay in there? How's the car not gonna fly out of the track? How is it gonna grip? Like I've never felt this before, and I've never been in this situation before to know that this is going to work. And so physics don't seem like that, you know, the car would be kept in the track. And you, when you go into the corner and the, the, the force, the G forces, you kind of go down and to the right into the seat and you sink into the seat as mm. you load into the corner and then into the banking. And that's when you sense like, wow, this thing is grabbing this track. Wow. It's like got the, got a hold of this racetrack. Yeah. And is not letting go. Yeah, and it's the most amazing feeling. So I bet, man. When I what's ta- the best car you drive? Uh, um, 
Gliding Mercedes? No, no. Well, yeah, the Mercedes. I had a Mercedes that used to be the pace car for the F1 series that was a very awesome car. That's um, sweet. But, you know, it's uh, – I think – I mean, our race cars are so – set up yeah. to be able to get a hold of that racetrack they got these giant tires and they'll just get a hold of the racetrack so well and they'll take the corners uh extremely fast without really any real concern but you push them to the limit you know and sometimes you go over that limit i bet man um you know that sounds mike have you ever driven a car 180 miles an hour no no <laughs> no what's the fastest you've ever went mike i don't know maybe 130 yeah that's fast enough. That's pretty fast. Drag <laughs> racing. Right. That's pretty damn fast. Yeah, that's I mean, quick. I feel like if I'm in a car going 90, I'm going fast. That's what's funny because Mike's talking about going 130 miles an hour on the highway. I got pulled over by the cops, too. <laughs> yeah. I I'm, nervous, I'm nervous and sweating, and the cop is having a conversation with me. He said, Why are you nervous for? I said, I'm nervous. I just got pulled over doing 130. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> shit. Hey, don't worry about it. It's right. okay. Oh, my God. Like, oh, God. I, would, I, I get nervous on the highway going 130, yeah. whereas on a, on a racetrack in a, in a closed course in a car that's supposed to be as safe as it can be, 200 is not a concern. It's weird. Well, uh, driving a car on the highway, though, yeah. at 130, I'm like – You just don't know what's coming uh, out of what's coming out. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you got this little strap, you know. You yeah. just right. in a race car, you got like you got a, a seven-point harness. Right? harness yeah. that, you know, you're you're tightening that damn thing. So, and there's well, a whole roll cage around you, right? Yeah. right? It just, it, I mean, the thing's built to yeah. protect you mentally. You believe that nothing can hurt you, sure. And uh, in a street car, it's all the opposite. It's wild, man. Yeah. So when you're going that way and you're going 200 miles an hour, Jeez. and you are fucking, you talk about how you're rattling around. I mean, you're, you know, you get into accidents. You've flipped cars. Um, yeah, and I was, I was hearing when he knows to grab the wheel. Let's go slow. You're right. slow. Yeah, when the car starts flipping, if you don't uh, grab a hold of anything or something, typically, I mean, obviously the wheel's right in front of you, so that's the easiest thing to get a hold of. But if you don't grab the wheel, your arms kind of go out because the, the, the centrifugal force yeah. is trying to throw Pull you. trying to throw everything away, you know. Yeah. And so your arms just start flailing, and you can see that happen in crashes. And uh, so I learned that on the street. Actually, I flipped a pickup truck and learned that my arms would do that when the car started mm. flipping. So in a race car, I always was pretty cognizant of grabbing that steering wheel when I started to feel the car get light and go up in the air. Wow. Yeah. To feel a three thousand pound machine get light. That is the. I was never scared. I was always thinking in my mind. No one ever. I'm never going to be able to explain this to somebody. That like I'm never going to be able to tell somebody what this is like. Sure. What in what? And that's it. You can see. You feel the car is so damn heavy. Uh, but it's flying through the air, and you can't. You cannot describe it. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing crazy man i can't even imagine i yeah. mean um that's the frustrating part i think about crashing and all that is trying to tell it to someone who's never wrecked a car race you know ran a race or anything it's sure like, yeah, what do you compare it to what do you, how do, you, do, you have, do you get ptsd from that i don't think so um you there, know is it is it one of those things like being a surfer attacked by a shark, you just got to get back out in the water as I soon think as you, you just, can. Yeah, I think once you get you, – uh, you're – so I've had crashes and bad crashes, and when I go to that track or that corner, there's something in the back of your mind that makes you concerned, and you don't 
uh, perform well until you can succeed, go through that part of the track successfully or go through that part of the track mm. without it crossing your mind. Yep. Um, so I've done that before. I was racing a race and blew a tire and hit the wall real hard at this one racetrack, and I ran a couple more races there uh, over the next couple of weeks, and my, my crew chief comes up to me and says, you're not going to that corner the same ever since you wrecked. You seem to be chopping the entry and trying to avoid trouble. And uh, so I think that that happens when you do have crashes or – have an accident at a crash or at a track, you kind of have a problem with that track until you can go through there and do mm. well or do something well there. That makes sense. I mean, shit, I've been in little dingers on, on the street, and that gives me PTSD. <laughs> I, like, think, I don't know, man. I don't know yeah. if I need to drive anymore. Yeah. In L.A., that's a bad thing. If L.A. You can't traffic drive. is tough, man. I'm yeah. you. It's really bad. <laughs> it's crazy. It's bad, dude. I, there's no other, no other place like it. So tell me this, tell me this. What is the biggest championship that you, when it's, when it's your time to ride in this, this particular championship, you're really psyched for? Which one is that? Well, we got a championship race right now happening. I'm in the broadcast booth for NBC, and we're coming down to the last two races of the year. And we're going to decide our champion for uh, the, the Cup Series uh, in Homestead in two weeks. And uh, that's the biggest that's the biggest uh, award and and biggest thing you can accomplish in our sport in NASCAR. Yeah. And um, I never won the championship at the cup level. I won two Xfinity Series championships, which is kind of like the college level of our sport. Yeah. Um, but as a broadcaster, as a racer for twenty years, I kind of know what that what that accomplishment means and how prestigious that is. And uh, can't wait for a couple weeks to be able to crown our champ. Sweet, that's, man. Yeah. that's exciting. So. Rattling around in this death race that you're in, man. <laughs> what um, you you get you deal with a lot of injuries. Yeah, you get beat up. Oh yeah, yeah. I broke. Uh, I mean, I broke my shoulder blade. Um, you know, I've had injuries like that before, but the the worst I think for me has been the concussions. We write about it in the book that we're. Uh, I wrote a book called Racing to the Finish, and and um, it's out in out stores now. now. Yeah. And we talk about basically the concussion experience that I had from 2012 all the way up until to today. And uh, the mistakes I made, uh, the crashes, the reasons, you know, the, the different moments in my career where I had these problems and going to the doctor, getting the treatment. My doctor writes the foreword for the book. My doctor comes in behind a lot of the things that we talk about in the book and sort of gives a technical medical exp- explanation for what was going on in this particular time in my career. And... It's just a basically. Uh, Mickey Collins is my doctor in Pittsburgh. He works with the Steelers and the Penguins, yeah. and he helped me twice. He gave me my life back to me, you know, twice when when concussions, you know, made life miserable. He fixed uh, the problems that I had and gave me a good quality of life back. And so, I feel like there's nothing. I mean, what can I do to repay this guy for doing that? I mean, what can I do? So, uh, he tells me that. The best thing I can do is to be open about my experience, and that drives people to him. He says that two or three people come in his office every week, and they, you know, ask him, "How do you find out about us?" And he says two or three people every week say because of something Dale said in this article or in this this video, or and so writing this book is is a bit of a joint effort between me and him to tell that whole story, and maybe even push me more people to make better decisions in those situations that that I was in. What types of treatments? did he use to help you recover? Because, you know, I was telling you a little bit about uh, my own story before, but I come from the NFL. I played six years as an offensive lineman. 
with the Jags and the Bears. Um, suffered a handful of concussions throughout my career. Um, you know, and concussions are a huge issue for football players. And, you know, the way that those are dealt with in the league is there, there's not really, you know, you talked about it a little bit, you know, there's no treatment that the NFL or NFL trainers, doctors prescribe. It's basically a rest and recover type thing, you know? In 2012, Um, when I got hurt, uh, that was basically it. It was rest and recover. No phones, no electronics, no activity, no going out to places, doing anything, just rest, 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 and shut down. Uh, when I got hurt and went back in 2016, that was scrapped. Um, it was exposure is really kind of what they're about, pushing you into environments that are going to stretch that muscle. or com- Interesting. Or, yeah. So he he was all about exposure. The same guy had changed his entire approach in just wow. a short period of time. He's. Uh, I had some physical exercises. I had a lot of problems with my vestibular system and my head movement would mm. make me dizzy. So I did a lot of physical exercises just moving my head to uh, until they wouldn't create the issues anymore, wouldn't trigger the symptoms anymore. Then he would give me another batch of those. I had some eye problems with gaze stabilization. When I'd walk across the room, the room would bounce. Mm. And he gave me – I went to a – I got some computer programs wearing these funky glasses and would uh, work on these computer programs that would really make my eyes work real hard to hold 3D objects and 3D and stuff like that, just a bunch of stuff that was a bit over my head. But it really it physically made my eyes hurt doing those exercises. But it made my eyes stronger to where when I walked across the room, uh, an object across the room did not move. I could look at it and hold it as a target. Wow. I could watch a bird fly across the sky and watch the whole, you know, watch it. Before I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, you know, my, I just couldn't stay on it. Yeah. And uh, I had uh, mood issues, anxiety. I took medicine for that yeah. to suppress the anxiety. Um, I don't, you know, I took that for probably a year and a half. Um, and from for the most part. Those those were the that was the treatment that would target the problems that I was having, and I took it took about three four months before I started seeing progress. Mm, wow! Yeah, I had twelve concussions from probably 2013 to 2016, <sighs> and uh, I hit them from my wife, hit them from my family, hit them from my doctor, yeah, hit them from everyone in the sport, and I woke up one day and I just couldn't balance myself. Wow. I hadn't crashed in a month and I'd gotten up out of, you know, I got up and out of bed and I'm like, man, I can't, I'm dizzy and my eyes aren't, something's wrong with my eyes. I can't, I, you know, I didn't even know how to describe it. And they, each day, like quickly in a matter of like three or four days, it got worse and worse and worse to where to walk out of this room, I'd have to hold onto this table and grab the, de- you know, <sighs> grab the door. And, um, it That's was ter- brutal. It was very bad. I know you. You know. I know you probably, or you know, guys that have experienced those type of symptoms. And uh, how do you wean yourself off the drugs? The drugs uh, were very low doses, uh, do- very low dosage, and uh, I didn't really appreciate taking them anyways. Uh, as far as just chemicals or or, yeah. or a, you know, a drug is not something I really enjoy doing. But what types of meds were you on? Uh, I don't really even know the name of it. It was just an anxiety suppression okay. type of drug. Um, so they were psych meds. Yeah. And they would make me completely 
not like anxiety free. It was incredible because everyone walks around with a little sliver of anxiety, no doubt. right? And and I was anxiety free for the first time in my entire life, and I was thinking this is like the best version of myself. That, that I this That's is like good. the real potential that I have as yeah. an individual, yeah. And so I wanted that, but I didn't want to have to take that pill to do it, yeah. And um, so ever since then, you know, I've kind of, you know, I've tried to manage my anxiety just on my own. But um, do you meditate? No, I don't meditate. No, no. It's a big. That's really helped me. I bet. Man. I bet. It's a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, you know, something else. You know, this is. Part of what we do here is we educate about things like cannabis and right. CBD. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a little video that I'm going to play for you in a second. It's a It was the Tyson Holistic Summit that we put together as a handful of NFL players, um, MMA, UFC guys. Mike was there, of course, um, some NHL players mm-hmm. all talking about how cannabis and CBD has had a positive effect on our healing, you know, dealing with things like concussions and, you know, getting off opiates and all that stuff. Um, You know, our federal government has a patent on cannabinoids as neuroprotectants and antioxidants. So when you talk about actual chemical compounds that can help us deal with these types of injuries, you know, we've got something here. It's a natural plant, which is pretty fascinating. Um, have you ever tried CBD? I have never tried it. Um, I was I was actually reading about it a lot over the last probably three months. Me and my my wife and I take ashwagandha. And, and oh, that's great stuff. It too. is. It yeah. is really good. And so I was reading about uh, other you know sort of alternatives. What's to ashwagandha? It's like a root, it's a root. Ayurvedic root that helps with all kinds of things. Um, it's a it's an adaptogen. So it helps your body get into homeostasis, helps your, you know, tells you when, you know, different hormones are needed, et cetera, keeps you balanced. It made me feel, um, it made me, it, it made me feel like I could handle stressful situations with less anxiety. And when something that didn't really need to 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 sort of get under my skin happened right. it didn't get under my skin right you know and totally and that was what i was probably wanting uh the most uh from the ashwagandha and it, it, that seems to be what it's doing for me but yeah I, no doubt it gives me a, a bit of a energy that i like yeah you know? it gives you it sort of gives you this vitality exactly yeah it's hard it, it's very hard for me to put it into words because but. it's not like coffee no. like caffeine no. it's not energizing like that but it gives you this real this very substantial yeah. energy there's no side effects to yeah it's it great helps you sleep but i was reading about um uh cbd when i was reading about ashwagandha because i was you know obviously i'm, I'm going to take this stuff i want to know what it does and, yeah. and what the effects are to it and uh so but i've heard good things yeah very good things well check out this video it's pretty quick but it's cool it's got some oh there we go oh yeah here we go yes. oh, that's great los angeles may 31st very good 2018 tyson holistics health and wellness summit Hosted by Evan Britton. Um, hello, everybody. My name is Mike. I've been fighting over 20 years of my life. The injury started piling up. First injury I had was a concussion. 
pretty serious brain injury. The vertigo that was starting to happen early on in my career. 99% of the guys in an NFL locker room are on highly toxic prescription drugs. Tylenol at noon, the Advil at 4, Tylenol at 6, Benadryl, Xanax. Pain pills. I went to the doctor for prescription painkillers. Um, then I got hooked on that sent me to rehab. The downward spiral of uh, you know pharmaceuticals that uh, left me retire at the age of 28. Tons and tons and tons of drugs to treat individual problems, and we're not getting healthier, we're not getting better. The opioid epidemic is just reaching astronomical proportions. As a physician, we need to learn. We need to better ourselves to better ourselves for our patients. I was not, never a cannabis user. It just wasn't my thing. Five months of bouncing off the walls and pain and insomnia and headaches and anxiety. I just gave in. It's okay, I'll try it. I'm a big fan of it. I'll, I'll stake my life on it. It's been a great equalizer to the pain in my life. I've been really dealing with a lot of pain since my career. And it really changed my life. Then I realized also all the information, all the pain, everything. It worked with everything. So now I'm a big advocate. My first experience really is with the, the copper gel ice with the CBD, and I've been using that. You know, cannabis is a 10,000-year-old medicine. For 70-plus years of propaganda and misinformation that have stigmatized and demonized this plant, you know, we're really starting to unravel that through science. The endocannabinoid system is activated upon brain injury. And the whispers are over. I think that if medical marijuana is available, then it's up to the individual team doctor. If you tell me it worked for you and it worked for others that you know, then we should find a way to get that defined and made official and then proceed to educating team docs. And I think all of the leads are now appropriately focused on player rehabilitation in the case of injury, player nutrition. This should be a part of that conversation. So now I think it's up to the sports leagues to anticipate where this is going and maybe lead the way. Zero concussion symptoms, having looked back and was able to win a world title. I have my life back through cannabis. And I probably wouldn't be as healthy-minded as I am today. My football career was the most important thing to me. I would not jeopardize that for anything. And I still use cannabis because, to me, that, that made me a better football player. Speaking our truth about what we've been through and what cannabis can do as a medicine for athletes. I think it's, it's time to take ownership of our own health. Move away from the stigma, move forward together. And it can really change healthcare in this country and perhaps the world. Thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure. So that was a pretty this cool thing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's important work you guys are doing, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, well, I mean, shoot, man. Is there anything? I think we, we've had a hell of a conversation here. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate you coming, man. Well, Seriously. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's, good stuff. Thanks, Mike. It's been great to, to hang out and talk to you guys. And uh, certainly uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on here, talk about the book, and, and always learning. It's been educational for me. And and uh, hope to where you live at i live in charlotte north carolina okay. yeah that's where nice. we came from yesterday and the race this weekend's in phoenix so that's where we'll be this weekend okay uh in the broadcast booth and look forward to it nice man yeah, you just you. came to la to do rogan and tyson do a little bit of yeah do a little bit of book meeting man you guys are helping me out hell yeah man anything uh 
else you want to say about the book? Yeah, it's just racing to the finish. It's for sale wherever books are sold. Um, awesome. Yeah, if you you know it it it's got kind of a couple different demographics. Uh, obviously, someone who's ever had a concussion, this would be a great read. If you have somebody in your family or know someone who's dealing with that, uh, certainly it could teach you a lot about what that person's dealing with. And obviously, uh, you know, I think uh, my fans. You know, I rec- I retired a little early. And uh, they had a lot of questions, and I wasn't forthcoming with all that information. And this will spell that out to them. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Uh, Good stuff, man. Thank you, bud. Mike, another great one. <laughs> Mike, thanks for coming. Thank you, guys. Yeah, yeah man. A lot of fun. You didn't talk much, Mike. Well, you know what? I just let my man here do all the talking. It, it was his experience. But I can tell you this, Mike and uh, Eben. I mean, you know, the things that we've learned about this, and I was living this uh, experience with him. We, we couldn't understand what was really going on in his head because he was keeping a lot of things secret. And uh, But in, in him coming out and telling the stories, the one thing that's been very compelling for all of us and I think that motivated him was that uh, all the people that were not in racing necessarily but in other sports or even not even in sports – that we realize that we're dealing with, uh, you know, some sort of head injuries or yeah. concussions or whatever. And so I think that some of the stuff that his doctor, uh, just in dealing with, uh, you know, the started out as the athletes in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, now he's seeing everybody. I mean, we go everywhere we go. There's like, uh, you know, people going, Hey, who was your doctor, Dale? Um, uh, you know, I've got a 16 year old girl that had a softball injury or something like that. And Mickey Collins is seeing them all. You know, it's not just ath- yeah. professional athletes, but there have been other professional athletes. But uh, so it's it, hey, that's man. been sort of the that's been sort of the motivation, and I think the thing that made that book necessary. And I couldn't have predicted that when it was happening. Yeah. I don't think he could have either. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Well, I think it's you know it's such an important message of you know how much of an impact you can make when you speak your truth. Yeah, you know, and yeah. you telling your story, man, who you are. For a guy like you to come out and, and share this message, you know, it's it's fucking huge, man. Yeah. Well, I feel like I had to tell the truth to be able to it, for it to make that impact that it that it yeah. can make for someone. And uh, yeah, I just uh, I hope it helps somebody. And and um, I'm gonna be on this conversation for the rest of my life. You know, I'll be on this wagon for the rest of my life, trying to do whatever I can to pay Mickey back and and uh, give people opportunities to see him. That's awesome. Um, well, the podcast, thanks for listening, guys. We are out. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson, through your podcast app. If you'd like to join this badass experience on the visual plane, check us out on YouTube at our channel, Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson. Mike, you got anything to add, my brother? I love you.